Welcome to another episode of the Thrive Forever Fit Show. I am your host, Jay Nixon, and today I've got a special guest, and we're going to be talking about one of my favorite topics. Now, before I tell you what it is, I'm going to say that this was not always my favorite topic. It was actually something that I avoided because I didn't understand it because it, I was fearful of it. There was a lot of uncertainty around it. So today my guest is Robert Shine. Robert is the managing director and partner of Blakey Shine Wealth Management in Palm Desert, California. He's also the founder of the Society of Financially Empowered Women. Robert and I have so much in common when it comes to wanting to see people succeed. And today guys, we're gonna uncover the seven keys to financial wellness. Now, today you're going to see how financial wellness and wealth ties into your health, your fitness, your family, your faith, all of the foundational principles that we talk about in Thrive Forever Fit. Wealth and finances is one of those things because wealth is so much more than just money. Wealth is your mindset. Wealth is your health. Wealth is your family. Wealth is your faith. Wealth is all of it combined. And today, Robert and I are going to go through seven keys to financial wellness. At the end of today's episode, guys, you're going to be less fearful and have a better understanding of what money means and why wealth is important to you. So saddle up, get ready. I promise you, you're going to be in for an amazing show today. I'm super excited. Robert is an amazing guy and you're going to love him just as much as I do. All right, get ready. Here we go. Rob, thanks for joining me today, brother. How you doing? Great, Jay. Thank you for having me. Awesome, dude. So guys, as you heard in the intro, um, I, you know, I'm not going to give Rob the introduction that I gave him again, because it'll probably make both of us blush because I went above and beyond. I just... I believe in like connecting with people that you have just an amazing energy with. And yeah. you and I, even before we actually physically met, I felt like we'd been friends for like 20 or 30 years. So True. That's, an, that's an, that's an awesome way to, um, to, to know you're in the right room with the right people. And I'll give you guys just a little background. Um, I was, I had the opportunity, I mean, based on Rob, you know, extending me an invitation, I got to speak um, at a conference that he, you hold this every year, correct Rob? This was our second year, and this year we had to go virtual, a okay. little bit different, but it was very successful. Yeah, it's the Confidence Women, Wealth, and Wellness. So we call it the CW3 Summit, and we just had it this last January, and you uh, were a fantastic contributor. So we were, we, were, we were blessed to have you, Jay. You were Thank excellent. You. Thank you, man. Tell me a little bit about that, because I, I have a, you know, based on, you know, everybody on the podcast knows my story, my fa- losing my father at age five, being raised by my mother. And, you know, watching the struggles of a single mom with two crazy kids and that type of thing, I've always had a, an internal, like, just desire to see women win. And, um, yeah. and, you, and you share that same thing with me. How did this, this all come about? How did this, the CW3 come about? Yeah, like you and your personal story, I think everything in life, um, and, and, and I love sort of who you are, Jay, in the sense of your inspiration to the world, you know. Everyone's going through something, uh, whether it's it's in their world or financially speaking. Uh, in my case, I had a personal story where it evolved into something that's bigger and better. But I, had, you know, personal pain going through it. So literally, the story began with you know my very traditional family. My dad was came over in 1953 in Ellis Island, and you know met my mom years later. And then they 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 had you know two boys, and he worked hard in middle class family and and put us through quality education. And then, you know, 70 years old, he pulls the retirement ripcord and four months into retirement, he gets diagnosed with stage four cancer. And at that moment in time, it was, you know, life-changing for everybody, specifically my mom, 
in the sense that she had to learn two languages, right? One, you know, Mayo Clinic in Scottsdale is basically the, the SWAT team to help my dad medically speaking and learning the language and being the medical advocate as that, you know, cancer treatment then started. Um, and then the financial world, right? Estate planning, taxation, as well as financial planning and investments. And so my mom's blessed to have both my brother and I in the financial services industry. So we could walk her through at least that component. But what I really realized was uh, it's just completely overwhelming, especially if you're not in it. Uh, you know, my dad eventually passed. Uh, he lost his battle to cancer. My mom, you know, is, is this bright, brilliant, intelligent woman who honestly, Jay, is a better investor than my dad ever was. Um, you know, it's just funny how that works. But she was really the inspiration for the Society of the Few Financially Empowered Women, which now I turned into a 501c3. It's my nonprofit that I manage, which then puts on the Confidence Summit, uh, which is basically aimed, the mission was education, empowerment. Uh, to own and, and control your own personal finances. You know, Jay, nine out of 10 women will be solely responsible for their own financial future at some point in time in their lives. And I am the, my wife and I have four beautiful kids and three of them are teenage daughters. Uh, so it's very important to me, but I'm also an uncle of seven nieces. So in my world, I have a lot of responsibility. And so I want to basically make certain that the education's there if you're nine years old to 99 years old. And sort of that's the inspiration here. I love that. I love that story. And I think I'll, you know, I'll, I think you'll agree with me on this. Luckily, women are just smarter than we are and they're yeah. more intuitive than we are. And that's why your mom is probably a better investor than your dad ever was. Yeah. Um, so you got that going for you, but man, that is a, that is a beautiful transition into kind of what we're talking about today. I'd say 90% of my listeners, 90% of my clients are female. And so this is going to hit home. And I did not know that stat. That is a, that is a overwhelming yeah, statistic that, that that many that percentage of females will be responsible for their own you know wealth management at some point in their life. So today I want to kind of dive into the like the seven keys of financial wellness and you know as I talked about in the intro Rob you didn't hear this but I said that today is one of my favorite topics but it hasn't always been that way. It used to be one of my least favorite topics because I was afraid of money. I was money was very uncertain to me. I didn't know really what it was. Like it was this almost like this monster that I didn't want to unleash and I didn't have any command control or respect for it. And now as I've, you know, got, you know, I'll be 47 this year, I've got a new understanding of what money really is. And I think today's conversation is going to be amazing because I think a lot of people are where I was and I'd like to get them to where I am today. So your first, um, and I we won't put these in any, any order, but one of the first ones at the top of the list is something true to my heart and kind of how I teach on, and that's mindset. So what do you mean when you talk about the key to financial wellness and mindset being one of those pillars. Yeah, but let me stop you right there and, and let me understand if I heard you correctly. You said you're going to be 27. This I, year? <laughs> you know what? I feel 27. That's the That's craziest it. thing. That's the mindset. I was having a conversation the other day and somebody's like, oh, I'm going to be 26. And I was thinking, me too. Yeah. So that's the mindset. I mean, that just that, I mean, it's, it's kind of funny you say that because it's true. Um, so yeah, the seven keys are really important. So my, over my 25 year career as a financial advisor, I have the opportunity uh, to basically listen, right? All I do is on a daily basis, you know, ran five appointments yesterday and I'm going in and out of everyone's personal lives. And whether you have a uh, little money, a, a bunch of money, financial debt, whatever happens to be, like I said before, everyone's going through something financially speaking. And as I referred before to my parents, my dad was very traditional, right? So from coming from Europe, he controlled the finances of the family. And my mom, you know, just raising the boys and, and working hard. And that was okay. That was tradition. That was the way society was. 
society's changing now, right? And, and so as society changes for the better, so should everyone else. So the nine out of 10 women should be, you know, now it's your daily mindset of, you know, whether you're exposed to it, right? Um, you know, let's be honest, the education system in America is broken. That's another conversation for another day. Uh, and, and no one teaches just financial literacy or financial education, even in high school. Uh, I would venture a guess that if you were to give a survey to Congress, 10 questions, I could create 10 questions to ask Congress and ask them the questions that would be in terms of financial literacy, I would guarantee you that over 50% would fail. And what's scary about that is that they're the ones that are making, spending our money and making rules and tax laws and, and so on and so forth, but they can't even pass a financial literacy test that would be given to high school seniors today. And that's really just a testament to how bad the system is. And why I bring that up is because it's not anyone's fault in the sense of, well, gosh, I didn't have it in school because you didn't have it in school. Right. Right. And if you went to go study it and you were, it was your passion, that's a really small percentage of the world. But I'll tell you, you know, one of the things is, is that what we do, what you do, what I do is constantly have an open mindset, open to growth is another key that I have. But the mindset is like, you know, learn from those who've done it before, be open to sort of new things and will be a lifelong learner. And so, you know, ideally there's four things in your mindset that you wanna change. Um, and, and you brought this up and when you, we have had conversations together, it's, you know, we start with your relationship with money, you know, start there because everyone has a personal relationship with money and it's different. It could be, oh, I had a great relationship or I saw my parents go broke. Or when I got out of college, I had this, you know, all this you know, student debt and credit card debt. And no one told me about this and, and, and I don't know how to handle it. And then the next thing is, is that it's okay. Forgive yourself, um, you know, basically take that moment in time and say, listen, yesterday is yesterday and tomorrow is something, a new day in terms of your mindset as it relates to your personal financial future. So understand your relationship, uh, give yourself the latitude to forgive yourself, right? And I've seen it all. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen it all. I've seen some, you know, a big time millionaires make some big time boo-boos and you're like, God, how could you do that? And I've seen some really, you know, people who don't have very much make all the smart decisions. And so, you know, obviously they, they, they should partner with sort of a third party because you always want to remove yourself from the emotional decisions when it comes yeah. to your personal finances. That's one of the key successes there. Uh, but your relationship with money, identify it uh, and then forgive yourself, but then make that sort of commitment to yourself going forward that, you know, today is a new day, tomorrow's a new day, I'm going to start, you know, you did this with me with the push-up challenge in January. I mean, that literally that mindset was, I don't think I could do a hundred push-ups in one day. And, you know, I marked it every single day. And, you know, by, by the time I looked up, I had a whole bunch of push-ups that I never thought I could do. Yeah. Uh, but you changed my mindset and said, you know what, start somewhere, January 1. And so, yeah, I thank you for that. But it's just a mindset of like, just because you're not an expert, you don't have the confidence. It doesn't mean that you can't start today. And I will tell you, here's a little secret. And this is what I advise, especially in the conferences you knew uh, when, when you were there, but this is for everybody. Change your daily digital, okay? Both you and I and everyone, we have these wonderful iPhones or whatever they have, they'll give you your screen time, right? Everyone says, I don't, I'm not an expert in that, or I don't have a confidence in that, or I don't have time for that, right? That's the number one excuse everyone oh, yeah. has. I don't have time for that. And so I will submit for consideration. I will challenge your audience, you know, do your fun, fun little finding of how much screen time you spend. Then in iPhone, it can go to social media, how much time you spend on social media. Then you realize, oh gosh, 
you do have time. I'm not suggesting anyone change your daily habits, right? That's hard to do as it relates to social media, whatever you happen to do, where you subscribe to get your, your information. What I will submit for consideration is add in you know, the Dave Ramsey's or, you know, Blanky Shine Wealth Management or the Confidence Summit or anything, you know, CNBC, it just include in, uh, in your daily digital, the financial literacy, the financial wellness, the financial component that's missing from your daily digital. Because what happens, you know, as well as I do, repetition and the daily drip will then start building and snowballing that confidence. Yeah. And I will tell you, you know, TikTok has got some great stuff as well. I didn't know that. You know, that kind of leads us into our our second point. But before we do that, you hit on something that is so vital in that first piece, because this is I've been there and I know a lot of people have been. You know, you said you've you've got to forgive yourself. And I always talk about this in in all elements of life. Like, you know, when you're when you're ready to make a change, you've got to do that without judgment. Right. And when we judge ourselves, we tend to regress. And so you've got to when you're looking at your financial components as they are right now, do it without judgment and, and give yourself some grace. And then also don't be afraid because this is where I used to be. I was like, well, I don't want to go to a financial planner because they're going to judge me. And that's just a belief on my, on my behalf, because if you find the right person and I'll, Rob, Rob manages my money. And so I have a great relationship with Rob. I trust him. I know he's not going to judge me and those types of things, but it's their job to not judge you guys. It's their job to help you. And so don't, you know, kind of remove that limiting belief from your, you know, your internal ecosystem. And I think when you stop judging yourself, you'll stop thinking that someone else is going to judge you for, you know, your mistakes or your, your whatever it may be. And then the next point, Rob, you, you led to this, but you said, introduce this into your kind of daily, you know, your daily regimen. And it's the education piece for, you know, wealth and, and wellness. So talk to me a little bit about that. Like, why is that so vital? Yeah, going on, going back to the judgment, you bring up a great point. I mean, I'm sure people see that in the, in the world of fitness, um, mm-hmm. you know, walking in there and, you know, um, uh, same thing on the financial side. But I will tell you this from my experience, I'm sure you could relate to, you know, you personally are harder on yourself totally. than any judgment from anybody else. Uh, so again, just, just, just forgive yourself, get over it. Don't be ashamed. And oftentimes you're probably better off than you actually think you are. Yeah. So take that step, that leap of faith. I think that's a very, very good point you brought up. This, uh, this, may, this may help people. And I believe I'm being ultra vulnerable. Guys, at one point in my life, I had $40,000 in credit card debt. Pause and let that sink in for a second. $40,000. You don't think I was not judging myself harshly? And I can tell you today, I have zero credit card debt. And so it's possible, it's doable, it's achievable. And what the first thing I had to stop doing was hiding everything to myself from myself and everything because I was so embarrassed. I'm like, what are you doing, Jay? You're a, you're, you seem to be an intelligent person. You seem to not be crazy. Like, how could you let this happen? I judged myself so harshly and it wasn't until I stopped judging myself and said, okay, I'm going to formulate a plan to get out of this. And I did. And now zero. So it's doable. I don't care where you are. There's a way out of it. And it starts with just acknowledging it, not judging it, and then formulating a plan of action, which is going to, Rob is going to talk about the education pieces, which I had to do, because I, like Rob said, my entire life, nobody taught me how, what, hey, here's a piece of plastic, you can do whatever you want with it, and they'll let you do it, and I'm like, oh shit, let's go, let's go yeah. to Mexico, let's do this, let's do that, and so it's easy to get into trouble, so let's, let's dive into that education piece a little bit. 
Yeah, education is huge. Um, as I mentioned before, my, my, my dad came to this country um, and he basically said, Rob, there's two reasons why our family and literally his, his parents and his brother and him, they all came over and they had the four suitcases and that was it. They had an opportunity. He said, the reason, two reasons, the sacrifice we made to come to this country are for two reasons, uh, education and opportunity. And whatever we're going to provide that to you, we're going to provide the education for you, but whatever you do with the opportunity, you know, that's, that's on you. That's your legacy uh, going forward. And so I really, at that moment in time, I realized, you know, from the kitchen table growing up, the importance and the sacrifices that my parents made on the education. And it still is today going forward. And so that is huge. You know, I serve on a board of directors, part of a school here locally uh, that I helped start initially, which was Xavier college prep and now I'm the chairman of the board uh, once again they brought me back on um, and and education is huge for me I mean I, I believe in it I, I preach that to my kids yeah. as well as my client uh, my clients on a daily basis or anyone who will listen to me quite frankly yeah. and, there, and, and here's what's great about this this world that we live in today it is a fire hose of education and then if you focus on it of what you want to basically build that muscle on you could get it so much quicker and faster uh, than ever before. Let me, let me give an example. You know, I have a processing disorder diagnosed with um, uh, dyslexia. So it takes me a little bit. I can't, I can't read like, you know, my wife will read a book in like a day. It could probably take me a year to read that same book. So I avoid it at all costs. So, but I'm very good at numbers, very good at data. And so, but back in the eighties, my mom had to take me to uh, a, a bookstore. It wasn't a bookstore. It was a uh, uh, cassette tape, you know, we got the cassettes, so I would get the Anthony Robbins series, or I get the, you know, Napoleon Dynamite, or not, not Napoleon Dynamite, my kid just saw that movie this weekend, it was kind of funny, uh, but Napoleon Hill, Think and yeah. Grow Rich, which was, which was written in the 20s and 30s, and has 110 million copies sold worldwide, and speaking of mindset, so he was basically a journalist of Andrew Carnegie, yeah. and he also de detailed in that book the successes in the mindset of, uh, of Henry Ford, and also Thomas Edison. And he also, that book is, is worldwide education. So my point here is, is that you can get an app right now, 12 minute, or you can go to Audible, which is from Amazon, or you could get essays that are summaries of, or you can get the entire book. I could read that book in 12 minutes right now on my phone through that app. Mm -hmm. I could go through, I could search for it on Google. I can get any different way. And I used to have to, you know, if you really wanted that content, you had to be committed to, how long it would take you to digest it personally, right. right? Now you could get it quick, real time if you wanted that education. Again, open to growth mindset uh, and, and, and just having that education literally will change your life. And then you build on the confidence, Jay. That's the most important thing because yeah. you go from my past, financially speaking, to shame, embarrassment, or, or maybe even just you have super goals, you know, but how do I get there? And I'm telling you, this social media right now is so powerful. The access to the information is so easy that there's no excuse for anyone to say, I don't know how, or I can't start, or what do I do? It literally takes two seconds after this podcast to, to change yeah. your life. You know, when I got out of that, that $40,000 in debt, you know, it was over 15 years ago. So things weren't as they are today. So I actually had to get books and things like yeah. that. And you're, it's so true. When I, when I got unafraid enough to start learning about it my confidence built and built and built then I got to a point where I'm like the the $40,000 didn't seem so scary anymore I got to a point where I was like I'm going to get rid of this 
and I am going to get myself yeah. into a fight. And so that's where my confidence got to. And when I got to that place, that's whenever I was able to make the shift and do the necessary things I needed to do to get out of that place. So I love those actionable steps. Um, the, the next one is, is, I think is a little bit unique. What do you mean by negotiation? What does that mean in the, in the terms of you know, financial wellness? So negotiating, and, and this is a key common point that I see on a daily basis when I serve my clients. And so, you know, this is a book of that I'm creating of the seven keys that really I'm taking the best of uh, financial wellness. And so one of the keys is the art of negotiation. So here's what I mean by that. Uh, whether you're coming out of school, right out of college, um, especially for my girls, uh, you know, they're in high school now, but when they, you know, graduate and they're looking for their first job interview, we spend all your time think about like what you're studying and you're like, okay, well, maybe I'll get an opportunity for an interview, but you spend zero time learning about the offer, the art of negotiation, what an offer is to you, right? Why that matters, Jay, especially for women uh, uh, now and today is that gender wealth gap, right? So you have to understand, spend some time in the world of negotiating. There's a lot of books on art of negotiating. There's a lot of, of, of you know, everything in the world. It's access to you on social media. But again, build that educational muscle in the art of negotiating. Going back to negotiating your salary, if you come out of college and you're like, okay, $50,000 and they say $40,000, well, now you're relegated to $40,000. You want to, you know, it's going to take you a lot of time to build up to $50,000. And if you're worth fifty, dollars and you know the market's fifty, dollars and you know that you're going to stick to your guns based upon that, you could start out at fifty, dollars you could start out at forty. dollars I will tell you, that's going to be your financial trajectory for the rest of your life. As an example, you go to, you move on, your next employer is going to work on your last salary, right? And so that's sort of, you're pegging yourself relative to, so know the market, spend some time in terms of art of negotiation, negotiating role play. You know, we make eight to 10 financial decisions a day, but yet they don't teach us anything in school about that, right? You're going to buy or lease a car. You're going to have a credit card here. You're going to pay off this credit card, that credit card first. How do I do it? What's the best way? Did you know you can call your credit card companies and negotiate, you know, everything with them from yeah. the interest rate, if you're a good steward to, you know, a, a available, like, you know, increasing your credit availability uh, to increase your credit score. Yeah. And so, um, which is one are... of the things I did when I got myself out of debt is I, okay. I, I didn't even know you could do that. You know what I mean? I had to read that in a book and I'm like, you can call a credit card company and negotiate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And so it's, it's unfortunate um, and everything, whether it's, you know, negotiating for your house, negotiating yeah. for, uh, you know, interpersonal relationships where, you know, I, we have four kids and, you know, the worst negotiation is the one you don't know you're in. So when kids come into our room, they say, Hey, mom and dad, what are you doing for Saturday night? It's a loaded question. I already know they have plans. I don't know what they are. So I have to then negotiate what our plans are if my wife and I have date night yeah. to what their plans are. And if I'm going to be the Uber taxi, right. you know, and so there's negotiating in all aspects of our life. And so it's a it's another educational component where you can and everything in life is negotiable. It really yeah. is. And don't be afraid and don't feel like, um, you know, uh, don't feel like, oh, gosh, I you know shouldn't or I feel bad or no, it's, it's the way if you go to other cultures, other countries. If you don't negotiate, you are insulting them. Right. Right. And if yeah. you've traveled around the world, there are some, some cultures where it is built into, and it's not about the price. It's about the art of the game, the deal yeah. and negotiating. So yeah. there's a world around us there, you know, in the United States, it's, it's something, you know, that just become more familiar with. And again, you'll help your own personal financial life. 
You know, something that, that I think goes back to the, the financially empowered women and kind of what we're talking about. I saw something today. It was like a meme that, that irritated me um, for, you know, I mean, you know, you know, Lori, um, my significant other. I mean, she's a powerhouse yeah. female. I mean, she'll negotiate. I mean, she's negotiating with me right now. She's not even home and she's winning. That's the, <laughs> but I saw well, a thing and it was talking about the, the goats, like the greatest of all time in sports. Yeah. And it was a meme and it had Sue Bird, who's probably the greatest female basketball player of all time. And it had LeBron James. And it talked about their, their average salary. LeBron James was close to $30 million a year. Sue Bird's was just over 10, right? Let's look at the disparity there. And she's just as good as he is at her craft, at what she does, at putting the ball in the basket, at winning championships. But yet he makes that exponentially more than she'll ever have access to make, which isn't where the negotiation can come into your, into your play, into your favor, you know, no matter who you are. And I think a lot of times females feel bad about negotiating. Like they don't, you know, right. Yeah. And so lose that, lose that mindset, ladies, you deserve what you are worth and go get it. I'm all for it. And I know Rob is, and we want you guys to feel empowered. So let's move on to the next one, Rob, and it's plan. I mean, which makes sense when you just say it, but but break that down for me in, in terms that everybody here can understand. And what does that mean when you say plan? Sure. Uh, you know, what we do for our clients is create a financial plan. And it's basically encapsulizing sort of your, your, your past, your present, and ultimately your future. And why that's important is because, you know, everything is, can be solved. And, but, and, th and there's different paths you can go and there's different journeys you can take. And the decisions that you make today could either accelerate or prolong what your ultimate goals are. So, but you and I are, you know, entrepreneurs, we're, we're, we're high performing in terms of just the way we do things in life. We write down our goals and we write down plans and, and just constantly be obsessed with that is, is one of the key critical things. But the plan is important because, um, you know, it's going to really keep you on track and it'll help you see things clearly uh, from a, a different point of view. I know there's a lot of talk on planning and, and, and you, you and I are both entrepreneurs, as I said before, and there's a real important concept as an entrepreneur that everyone needs to understand, especially if you're a small business owner, is that it took me a while, it took me years to figure this out. And once I did, and once it clicked, things changed. And so, you know, you, you work in your business, so in your business, right. and then you have to spend time working on your business. Totally. And those are two separate things. And it's hard to conceptually break them apart because when you're in the middle of it and you're the owner of something and you're trying to do something and you, you're doing it all, you know, take some time to step aside, block out some time and go offsite, off property, quiet place to make a plan, yeah. prioritize, right? And then think about what's most important to what you're working on and then go back in and execute. You're both in and then you take a time out and you're still working but you're working on, and I'm gonna tell you, it's the working on is when my business changed. And basically it's just planning. Yeah. And that's what we do for our clients as well. Uh, we look at everything and you start planning and do, start doing the what if scenarios. You know, millionaires on average spend, you know, like five to 10 hours a week on learning and studying and working on their personal finances. Uh, that That is, seems a lot, but if you change your daily digital mindset, you can start building up to that really quickly. And, yeah. and what they're doing and what that message is ultimately saying, Jay, is they're not avoiding the situation. In fact, they're looking at it like something to solve 
And then they bring the necessary team around them to say, hey, from your experience, here's my situation. What else could I be doing that's quite maybe I don't know about, right? So, so again, that leads to the next one, which is network of advice is another key to financial wellness, which is build your team, whether it's your financial wellness team, whether it's your financial or, or your, your personal health wellness team, you know, accountability or, hey, Jay, you've seen it all. I've been trying to lose this weight for the longest time. What are you doing? Yeah. Right? Yeah. I call this, you know, if you guys listen, you know, you guys listen to the podcast, you know that I'm when, what Rob's referring to is what I call the circle of success. And that is your core team whether it's fitness, financial, faith, whatever it is, you need a core team of, of, of peers and advisors and people that you can rely on. And that's what Rob's talking about here is that network of advice. I think this is one of, I mean, right along with mindset, I would say this is one of the key things that I think would makes the whole financial thing go round and round because you're, I'm an expert in health and fitness. You can ask me anything health and fitness wise, and I'm probably going to know the answer or know somebody who does. I'm not a financial expert. And this is why Rob is in my life. He's a great dude, but he's in my life because Rob is my circle of success piece when it comes to my financial pillar. And it's vital that you get one of those. Rob, what would give some advice on finding that person that works for you or that, that network, or how do you find that? Yeah, like anything, uh, you go to a trusted source, a friend, family member, and you start asking around, you know, um, and then once you get, you, ultimately, whether, whatever it is, um, what I call it is you, you have to then make the next step. Let's say you find two financial advisors in the community that you like, or two CPAs or two, whatever, two or three. And I would encourage you to, you know, interview more than one. What I call it is called the right fit discussion. And there are a lot of financial experts or a lot of, you know, experts in everything, but ultimately, uh, you know, you brought this up early on when we first started this podcast, which is the chemistry. It's mm -hmm. the bedside manner. It's the approach. Will, will they, will they listen? Will they, you know, there's a lot of experts that, you know, there's probably a lot of financial advisors that have a lot more, you know, credentials that are a lot more smarter than I am, but I will tell you, they won't have the bedside manner or take the time to listen for whatever reason, you know, that's their personal makeup and people will gravitate towards them and that's the right fit for them right. and, and, and vice versa. I've got, you know, wealth of knowledge, wealth of experience, so on and so forth, but I'm not the right fit for everybody. Right. So take that time and it's okay to, you know, interview somebody and go through some questions, right? Do the, do the, do the research and the education before you walk into hiring anything or doing anything. I mean, we'll literally spend more time researching our vacation right? Or yeah. travel, which would yeah. be wonderful right now. And I, I encourage everyone to continue to do that because <laughs> it's a great mind vacation in this world that we live in, but there'll be more time spent on your personal travel in terms of research yeah. than in terms of your personal finance and, or even your team, if you will. Yeah. It goes back to, I mean, several of the, of the things you talked about, the education piece, right? Like we spend more time scrolling through Facebook. If we just spent a fraction of that time, you know, learning about our, you know, our financial wellness and our financial, you know, pillars. I mean, we could get really versed. And one of the great things that I love about Rob, and I'll give you guys how I operate is I will never, ever, one of my core values is I, I don't work with people that I just don't like. And I don't mean that I don't like them, but I, if I don't have a connection with right. somebody and I can't say, I can't be me 150%, then I can't work with that person. And so that's why Rob was the right fit for me. And like I said, I felt like I knew him for 30 years before I ever even actually yeah. met him in person. And so pay attention to your intuition and how you feel about it because money is scary. And if you're having someone advise you on your wealth, 
that you don't feel comfortable having just a, a coffee chat with, then that's probably right. not your right person. You're a thousand percent right. Because if you, on that front end, if you're not jiving and that relationship's not, not going to get off on the right foot, if you will, uh, you know, you're going to have money problems or situations or, you know, things that you want, you know, you want to go buy this or you, know, you, you want to do business acquisition. They're going to be the world of finance that you're going to need somebody to lean on. And you're, if, if you don't have that relationship right up front, that's solid and you feel good about, you're never going to reach out and ask that question. Right. And you I need mean, that. Here, at, yeah. Yeah. Here's what I know. Like I I'm, you guys know, I'm not a Lamborghini guy, but I hope when I call Rob and say, Hey, I'm about to buy a purple Lambo. He's like, we're not going to do that today, Jay. Not, not uh, purple. Not purple. <laughs> exactly. But that's my point, right? I would not be afraid to call Rob and be like, Hey man, I'm about to, I'm about to purchase this, you know, whatever. And he'd yeah. be like, that's probably a stupid idea. And I'd be like, okay, thank you for that. Right. He could, and he could say yeah. it just like that, Jay, that is a stupid idea. And yeah. I would take offense to it. I would appreciate that. Instead sure. of him letting me buy a purple Lambo and then I got to find somebody to sell this to. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's it. I mean, and, and, and to be honest with you, when you are like personally involved in your own personal finances, I've seen this as behavioral finance 101. It's almost like when doctors are not allowed to operate on their family members. Yeah. It's that emotional attachment. So when there's some blind spots, whether you want that car or yeah. you want this, that you're going to personally justify every aspect and sort of blind out all of the, hey, that's you know why you shouldn't do it, right? right? So you get a third party that's not emotionally involved. I mean, when I do sort of buying and selling on my own personal account, uh, I will consult with my other partners here and say, hey, by the way, I'm looking at doing this personal. I mean, I could, I could literally invest and I do on a daily basis, millions and millions of dollars. We manage over $500 million in client assets. So investing is literally easy for me right. on somebody else's investments as it relates to their personal financial plan. Right. When it comes to my own personal thing, I have to get a double check. I have to yes. literally say, wait a minute, I want to pull the trigger. Am I seeing it? And we do that in the office as financial professionals. Yeah. There's an emotional attachment to and a blind spot as it relates to personal finance. So we do it as professionals. And we do it for our clients and it's easy. I, if you would come to me with a money problem, I can easily say, Jay, do this or don't do that. Right. But if that same money problem, if I was in your shoes, I might have a financial blind spot. Yeah. It's just emotions. Yeah, I, I consider it like being too close to the fire, right? When you're so yeah. close to a problem or to a situation, you can't see all the peripheral things around it. And so you need, this goes back to needing a team, right? Needing that network of people. Right. You touched right. on. You you hit you said family a while ago, and that's one of the uh, the financial you know the keys. Um, what what is the what is the family piece of that, and how does that tie into wellness? I mean, to financial wellness. Yeah, family is um, obviously not only your biological family uh, that you've been blessed with, um, and, and all the dynamics, interpersonal relationships as it relates to that and finance. Um, and I'll give you an example of that in, in a second. But I also mean friends, right? Those those people that are in your life that are your extended family, not blood related, but they are closer than even, you know, your, your blood, if you will. Right. And so family as a big whole, uh, you know, community in your personal life, who you care about and they care about you is that definition as it relates to, but also then when it comes to finance, right? Uh, Jay, do you know that like 95% of all the NFL guys when they retire in three years are broke? I do because I used to consult for the NFL. Oh yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah. and so I, I I have seen this firsthand. Yeah. Guys that I would watch on TV, and I would then I would go to these like NFL you know charity events and whatever. 
And these guys, would, I mean, didn't have two nickels to rub together. And you would have thought that they were the you know, most successful people on the planet. So I do know that. But most yeah. people probably don't. And no, ESPN just updated the survey. And every year it's like, you got to be kidding me. And, and it's tragic. And yeah, you were in that space and you were in that field and you saw it firsthand. And my point I'm making here is, is that, you know, those guys have people around them, right? Friends and family. And it relates to personal finances. Hey, can I hit you up with, can I borrow this? Can you do this for me? And you don't know, again, it goes back to negotiating, but you also, you know, know how to know how to communicate properly to them. And it's no different than me communicating to, let's say my, my, my teenagers that want something right? It's no is no, if I'm telling you no on something financially speaking that you want from me, uh, it's no for right now, right? That's one of the lines that you can use. You know, hey, Jay, I know, you know, you're thinking about this, but the answer is no, but it's it's not, it's no for right now. And right. for it to change, these things have to change is really what the, what you follow with, um, yeah. with when we talk to our kids, you know, because they're always saying, oh, mom and dad are always saying no. I'm like The answer is no. Or, you know, a friend or family member wants to borrow money. You know, like I said before, Dave Ramsey's got a great series, you know, tune into him uh, about how to communicate with family and what expectations are. I will tell you this. There's two rules of money uh, when you're lending or borrowing from family members. Number one, if you're borrowing money, you have a term that you're going to set up with them. Let's say I'm borrowing 5000 10000 whatever it is. And you have an expectation. So term is like one year. One year, I'm going to pay you interest on, uh, you know, five percent on the the ten thousand dollars. I'm going to pay you back in twelve months from the day. And the family member extends you that, you know, and and on that trade, if you will, that negotiating. My job, if I'm borrowing that money from a family member, my job is to pay it off sooner and faster, and hundred percent off of what you entrusted, my family member entrusted me in terms of that loan. Why? Yeah. It's my personal integrity. It's my relationship. It's what I'm honoring as it relates to money within you know, anybody, if you will, friend or family, uh, because that just is a, is a testament to who you are, right? Because if you ever need help again, you want to have that ability to go back to that friend. God forbid you have to be in that situation. But again, you want to honor that relationship and you don't want to damage that relationship when you go out to you know dinner and be like oh wait you just borrowed ten thousand from me but you're ordering an extra bottle of wine at dinner yeah. are you freaking kidding me <laughs> like how is that not going to be how are we not going to talk about that on the night right ride home right right or the other side of that is when you let's say lend when i lend to my family members if you will that same term i am expecting not to receive that money back okay yeah. you only give what you can afford to lose to a family member or a friend from a loan standpoint. Because what happens is then if it's out of my mind, I can still be and maintain that relationship. If you happen to surprise me back, if that family member pays me back sooner and whatever and honors that relationship, then that's a quality relationship going forward. I will hold and harbor resentment forever because you're never going to honor that on a go forward basis. So the only way for me to maintain that relationship is to, and I don't ever want to put myself in a personal financial, yeah. you know, bad footing by sacrificing, you know, always take care of your family first. So if you really can't do it, don't do it. Uh, but that's the two rules, right? Pay it back sooner and faster if you're borrowing and lending, say sayonara, you're never going to see it again. And if yeah, you happen all, to do it, wonderful. Yeah. It's kind of like going to Vegas. Like if you, if you're taking a thousand bucks to Vegas, you better be okay with coming home without that thousand bucks. You're a thousand percent right. Right. And that's the only way you can have a healthy relationship in that world of lending yeah. money. And unfortunately, that's the world that we live in today. There's always that somebody needs help. And, 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 but you could always refer them to a financial expert before you become the, you know, bank of savings and loan. Yeah. 
That's, that is unbelievably great advice because I think a lot more people than we even know are put into that scenario or situation on a daily basis, you know, and they don't yeah, so, know how to react. So Capital One just came out a survey for you and I, I looked this up, uh, February 1st of 2021, uh, CreditWise just came out with a survey and 73% rank of, of everyone that was surveyed rank personal finances as the number one stress of today, 100%. which supersedes health and everything else. I mean, I don't, I mean, I, did, I don't have the, the actual data on this, but I would say that, that personal finances or money problems is probably the number one reason for divorce probably the number one reason for a lot of, you know, different, you know, scenarios that create, you know, stress in our lives. I mean, this is why I would say like money matters. And it's not that like, and it doesn't matter how much money you have, right? If you're a multimillionaire, right? I always say that all money does, all money is, is that you can show up to your problems in style, right? If you're a multimillionaire, <laughs> you can show up to that problem in a private jet, That's very but, good. You, but you still got a problem, right? You still yeah. got situations that you've got to overcome. I love that we saved this one for last um, because I think this is, you know, it's, it's obviously, you know, dear to my heart because it's, it's kind of what I do for a living and it's kind of the self-care aspect of financial wellness because I don't, I think most people kind of like I said earlier, my self-care around money when I was younger was atrocious, was horrible. It was, I would use the word destructive for, for, for if we're really being honest. You know, I want everybody to get to a better place and, and realize that financial wellness and self-care kind of go hand in hand. So walk me through your, your, your perception of that. Yeah, this is great in the sense of um, the self-care aspect is twofold, both for education and both for basically encapsulizing all of the, the, the previous six keys. The seven key is self-care in the sense that, you know, you, you never take a personal finance day, right? What about what if you were to take a personal finance day, take a day, as we talked about, uh, and, and just for personal finance, whether it's creating a plan, whether it's interviewing a financial team, whether it's, you know, basically uh, looking at all of consolidating all of your debt. Uh, you know, if you do that, so think about this, if you do that four times a year, okay, so human, uh, human brains are wired for seasons. It's not uncommon. I mean, we're in Southern California, so we don't get seasons, right? right? I talk to my clients all across the United States and I hear all about seasons, right? Yeah. You can see those pictures on the internet. Uh, but but the but the our brains are actually wired for four seasons, right? So that's every 90 days. So I would submit for consideration under the, the column of self-care, take four times a year where you're gonna spend a day to work on your personal finances. One day is create a plan, the next day, the next quarter. And all corporations do this, right? Entrepreneurs yeah. do this. Uh, corporations do this. Uh, corporate uh, corporations report on earnings on a quarterly basis. So the whole world is geared towards quarters. Uh, so should your personal finances be on a self-care day uh, uh, four times a year. If you start doing that, you'll change your financial life forever. I think that's a phenomenal idea that most people probably don't even think about. It's like you said, like when we think of a self-care day, we think of like, oh, I'm, I'm going to go to, you know, get a massage or I'm going to, you know, just not work today. So, so what I would do is just double book, right? Yeah. I Put agree. the block on like, Hey, listen, I want to do uh, my, do, do the, do the hard stuff first. Yeah. So in the morning I'm going to do, you know, call the credit card companies and negotiate better deals. Uh, or, you know, in the afternoon, I'm going to go do something fun for yourself. So you're booking in both health and financial wellness. Yeah, I think those are great ideas. Now, Robin, I know this isn't one of the, the seven, the keys, but I think it's, it's really important. And I think it kind of is because it goes, it goes along with all of these. If you can't do this, then you're going to really struggle. What, do you, what would you, 
how would you give advice around like the communication about money? Because most people, when money comes up, even inside of a family, like most husband and wives don't like to talk about money. Um, and we definitely, if it comes up in like a, you know, at a party or with a stranger or whatever, like everybody, it's almost like taboo. Like how do, how could, what advice would you give to kind of overcome that, the negative connotation about like, you know, having a conversation around money and wealth? Yeah. So there's, there, there there's a lot there. And yeah, and that, it's, a big, it's a big question. <laughs> yeah. And so um, let me give you a, a rundown the way I see the world uh, from my experience. So let's just go into, and these are little tidbits, take them or leave them. But, but so um, let's go to like, I love the cocktail party conversation. Yeah. And so, cause we, we have this all the time. And so I always have a client call me and say, Oh, we were over at a friend's house and we were happy hour. And you know, they are receiving 12% on their XYZ investment. Rob, I want that. And so in our world, the, the, what the number one question is to ask is if it's high, high rate of return, in this case, it's 12% is a high rate of return in the investment world. You have to ask why. Right. So if it's high, ask why. You know what? That's interesting. 12%. I would love to get 12%. Yeah. Tell me more about that. And when they start explaining it, then they start talking about, well, I don't, I don't know that the guy over there across the street has it. Well, tell me more because then you start getting down the road of, so it's okay. The question is always start asking questions. Like I'm a financial expert. I live my whole life in this world. I grew up in this world since I was 15 years old. My whole family, my brother, I live in the world of finance. Guess what I do? I don't care if I sound stupid when I ask a question. Yeah. Really? That's interesting. Tell me more about that. That's all I have to do. Yeah. Oh, how does that make you feel, right? Uh, you know, spouses, uh, you know, tell me more about why you feel you need to buy this car. I wouldn't ask it like that. Just right. say, honey, tell me more about that. Why is it, why is it important to you? Yeah. And then you, what you want to do is, is get engaged in a conversation and, or in a situation about finance, like, um, you know what, I, I, even if I do know what the investment is, or I do know what they're asking me, I will literally ask the question of, yeah, tell me more about that. Right. Because my job is to get somebody talking about it. And Jay, what's interesting about, it's not about the investment 12% or I want to buy this car because of it. There's always another emotional layer. Totally. There's always a level behind it. And unless you get unpack that, you're going to get stopped, whether it's in a relationship and you don't want to be the other person to say, listen, I don't want to tell you no, if you actually get to the real reason as to why it's important to you, gosh, you know, my spouse, I love you. I want that for you. And you can get to that conversation uh, if you ask the right questions. And once yeah. you get there, you both come to a mediation or a level of understanding of say, listen, honey, I really want this for you. Uh, honestly, if we could do it tomorrow and our finances say, great, let's do it. And I, this is something, if it's important to you, it's a personal goal, it's important to me. However, let's take a bigger picture, let's sleep on it, let's revisit it, versus what couples normally do is they get into the no. Well, what do you mean no? Well, right. I don't think it's a good idea. Well, tell me more why you don't think it's a good idea, because then it becomes personal. Well, yeah. you know, we had a fight last week, non-money related, and that's going to carry over to this conversation. And now you really don't want me to get what I want, or you're, you and I are on the same page. No, no. It's get past the multiple layers by asking the questions or in the financial world, listen, I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm going to apply for a loan at the bank. Tell me more. Right. I'm a financial expert. Nope. Tell me more. Is there another question I should have asked that I haven't asked? That's another one. Is there something I should have asked that I haven't asked? And so um, 
know, those are sort of little tidbits that yeah, it's okay. Listen, if I'm a financial expert, if you will, or a guru, and I play dumb all the time, my wife is like, why are you doing that? I'm like, right. because I really want to get to the real root of what the, what they're asking. Yeah. Because ultimate time, there's always a something behind it. And it's okay. I don't care looking like an idiot. Yeah. I really don't. I honestly don't. In fact, my kids tease me all the time. Like, dad, you're so embarrassing. You're such an idiot. Why, you know, don't you know that or whatever? I'm like, yeah. yep. You know, someday you'll figure it out. It's called wisdom and experience. Yeah. <laughs> I always say this in my world is it's the initial question is usually not the question or the initial, you know, emotion is not really what, what the outcome is going to be based on. As you spoke about that communication, like I was looking at the list and really it, it, it all comes back to your seven keys to financial wellness. Like that, every conversation you just had was predicated on mindset, education, a plan, family, your circle of, you know, your network of advice and all of the, you know, everything. So the seven, you know, keys to financial wellness are really, you know, rock solid. And I would, I would suggest that everybody kind of go back and listen to this podcast again. You mentioned a book. Um, talk to me about that. What's going on? Uh, the goal is to have a book between now and your end. We're about uh, 90% done. Okay. Um, but I'm going to have to talk to you because you're, you've been down this road several oh, yeah. times. So you and I are going to have to hook up and you have to give me some advice. Uh, again, okay. I don't know what I'm doing and it's okay to not know. Uh, and I want to okay. go to somebody who is an expert and somebody who's yeah. been very well accomplished and very successful. So you and I will hook up. And I'm going to ask you all a bunch of questions on, love it. you know, where I am to where I need to be. And we'll create a plan to do that. I love it. Rob, thank you so much for today, man. Like this has been awesome for me because I like it's wealth is one of those things I love to just kind of like immerse myself in. And so this has gotten me even, you know, more excited than, than I was before. And I know this has helped a lot of people get just a better emotional stability around money. And that's what I want you guys to take away from this is, there's no such thing as perfect, right? If you'll, if you'll go back and right. listen and follow Rob's seven keys, you'll get yourself to a better place and you'll eventually get yourself to a place of not just better, but where you really, really, really want to be. And that's, I know that's Rob's goal and I know that's my goal. So Rob, again, thank you, my man. I appreciate you. This is I'm, awesome. I appreciate the time and, and thanks for having me on. This is, I love your stuff. So uh, this is fantastic. Love it, brother. Thank you so much, man. And I'll see you soon. Thanks. You too. All right. Bye-bye.